Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Ooh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hey, welcome to Dr. Drew Podcast. We appreciate you all being here. Again, uh, we are taking suggestions for future guests at contact.drew.com. And do check out uh, drew.com for all the other pods. I think you guys would, of course, like After Dark. And our streaming show, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 3 o'clock, is getting a lot of traction these days. We're really interviewing very, very, very interesting people. So if you want to hear interesting conversation, that is the place to go. You can hear that at drdrew.tv. Speaking of interesting people, Kevin Sorbo is my guest today. He has a new children's book. Uh, he, of course, you would know him from Hercules. You know him from television. You know him from a lot of things. Kevin, welcome to the program. Good to be here. Good to see you again. It's been a while. It has been a minute. I was going to say, I, I was trying <laughs> to figure out when it was, and it started making me frightened because, yeah, I know. because it was more than 10 years ago. I, I had a CW daytime talk show, and Kevin yeah. very kindly came on and did like, several segments with us, and it was, it was great. It was a lot of fun. And so uh, good to see you again. Yeah, the years go by way too quick. Oh, my God. The days are slow, but the years are fast. Yep. Uh, and so tell us about the book. Let's get right to that, because uh, I, I will, full disclosure, I have uh, friends that have worked with Ray Books. I almost did it myself. I, I very much sign on to the, the the philosophy they're espousing, and there's a perfect fit with you, uh, it seems to me. So I, I, get the, I bet this is going to be a really, really good book. Well, I think you jump in too. I think they'd love to have you have do one of the books. And I, I, and I got close. I got close. I got to <laughs> tell you, it, it was my my son, the lawyer, had questions and things, and so I'm like, all right, just I don't want to drive these guys crazy, but it, it's a it's a very worthy thing they are doing. Yeah, they do. You know, the books like four to four to eleven year olds, pretty much, and every month there's a new book out there. Um, if you remember last year, Kirk Cameron's book, they went after him at public libraries because they didn't want him to read at public libraries, but they're okay with drag queens reading to the seven-year-olds because Kirk Cameron is guess too scary for them. <laughs> uh, I think he won that battle. Um, and I, you know, I've been talking a lot about this, this whole thing that's been going on with our kids and this transgender movement and all that kind of stuff. I know a doctor friend of mine, I'm not gonna name what state where he's at, but he said, you know, we used to get one every six months. He goes, we're getting like 10 a week now. And you can't tell me that's not been motivated by the public schools, by the teachers, by the media, by movies, by television. Um, you know, kids, my kids, my two boys are 22 and 20 years old. They put on my mom's, you know, their their mom's dress once in a while when they were four years old. I wasn't going to say, let's cut off your penis now, you know. Let kids grow up to be kids. That's really what it's all about. It's, like, it's not bashing. It's not anti-trans, not anything. To me, it's let kids get old enough to make decisions for themselves, what they want to do with their lives when they get older. I mean, I knew Bruce Jenner's, I've known him for 35 years. He didn't do anything until he was 60 for kind of and so I think let people decide what they want to do. This this book is called The Test of Blindhood. Go to bravebooks.us. 
Um, it's it's a story about a lion cub that's out with his two little sisters. He's like 10 years old. His sister, she gets cut by a very dangerous plant. She's going to die unless he gets the antidote. He knows how to do it because his father taught him about the dangers and the, and the positive things about being out in the jungle in the woods. And he has to get past his fear and get past, uh, you know, any insecurity he has to find a way to save his sister's life. And it's really about letting boys grow up to be boys and hopefully to be strong men, strong fathers. And uh, that's all the book's about. It's not it's it's pro child is what it is. It's not anti anything. I got attacked by the outfit crowd. But look, I can post it's a beautiful day and I get attacked by the outfit crowd. So it doesn't matter. You're, you're going to get either way. The, yeah. it, it just sounds like the, the return. You know, so much of what I'm seeing these days that people are hungry for is kind of a return to basics, regardless of where you are politically. People are sort of burned yeah. out. And so things like the hero's journey, which it sounds like what this Cubs journey is about, the plain old hero's journey back to that right. and the golden rule and, you know, just the things that we've known for thousands of years are good for humans. And I think people are hungry for that kind of thing. Well, there's been a whole emasculation of men and it continues to this day. And they've been doing it through decades. And certainly I think the 60s changed everything. I think when you got, you know, with between Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy and and, and John F. Kennedy and uh, the whole hippie movement, the whole free love movement, the whole rock and roll thing, all that, everything, civil war, I mean, the, the Vietnam War, all that stuff, all of a sudden Hollywood transition into celebrating the anti-hero for whatever reasons and if well, let's stop don't don't go further than that because i i actually agree with you it's interesting to me that not only it's not just hollywood though uh i, I we were probably sort of young around the same time sure. and what i remember is not only was the anti-hero sort of elevated by hollywood we the adolescent and young adult community absolutely elevated sort of the antisocial that mm. that became our hero i mean think about the rock stars of the 60s when you think about some of their lyrics particularly the 70s it got even worse some yeah. of their lyrics and some of their behavior there's still not been a reckoning with a lot of that stuff but I, i'm shocked that the me too movement didn't bring up led zeppelin and some of their behaviors you know how they treated women and i i don't understand why there's not a full reckoning because that that moment really uh, i would say kevin is on us the, the those of us that were young at the time we participated fully in all of that do you agree oh sure i mean I, but it had a huge influence but also i'm gonna jump back to what hollywood did. you look at the sitcoms prior to that fathers knows best my three sons yeah, yeah. mayberry all that kind of stuff and then the sitcoms really in the 70s and into the 80s accelerate itself where the dad was kind of the dad. The dad was kind of chunky, out of shape. The mom was a babe. The teenage kids used dad as a pincushion just to make fun of them. So yeah. kids have been growing up through decades thinking, oh, you know what? The father figure is not that important for the family. So let's not worry about him being anything that's worthwhile. It's really the mom that makes a difference. And uh, it's really quite sad that we just can't sit there and fight back with movies like I'm doing, my independent movies. I do movies that have hope and faith and redemption and love and laughter, things Hollywood used to do. Uh, you look at the woke stuff they put out there now and the cancel culture and the craziness of um, what Disney's going to look lose a billion dollars this year. I mean, if they want to lose a billion dollars every year, Disney's not going to be around. I think old Walt is probably flipping on his grave because he said in the 1950s, movies and television will influence our youth. And I think he was quite right. So even um, 
Well, there's a lot packed into that. <laughs> <What you> just, <laughs> so, and by the way, you want you want to see a great uh, parody of all that? Go see the first installation of the South Park episode in regards to Disney. There's yes. a second one coming. <laughs> I, I'm hearing the second one's even more scathing. Uh, but you know, I, I'm a pragmatist at heart, and, and I'm also interested in what's good for people, whatever that is. And if if all of this was resulting in only good, I'd be all in on it, right? I mean, I'd be like, oh, no, no, Kevin, I don't know. We're doing only good things here. But but the opposite seems to be happening. We have yeah. mental health problems at an you know, all-time high, depression, anxiety, all-time high. I'm particularly... Yeah. I, and, you know, you can blame the screens and the social media. So it's pretty easy to do that. And I'm, certainly it's absolutely part of it. Um, but but it's particularly women that are complaining. And one of the complaints I hear all the time, I don't know, Kevin, if you've been exposed to this, which is uh, they're they're very down on men. I don't need a man. But where are the men anyway? Where are they? Where are the yeah. men? It's like, well, you've sort of you've sort of diminish the ranks uh, those that are men are sort of fearful of being canceled or seen as toxic and i'm seeing a lot of that with millennials where they're 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 men but they're just afraid they don't they don't want they want to be seen as good people and if you're going to see them as a bad person just for coming up to you in a bar and saying hi well they're not going to do it because they yeah. are good people that's what's crazy what we've done i mean i i said that my sons were like 22 and 20 i said the yep. same thing to them i said you got to be so careful. You don't even get on an elevator with a woman by yourself because who knows? She may look at you and decide, oh, you're a you know, white privilege guy. And that yeah. could be a white woman saying that to you. And yeah. they could do anything and say anything. I never get on an elevator with another woman. I said, no, go ahead. I'm waiting for someone. But I just, to me, it's just crazy what the world is doing with this cancel culture. Who are these people canceling people, by the way? Because they must have led perfectly sinless lives. We need these people to come talk to us and help us to make better human beings of ourselves. That's sarcasm, by the way. But I mean, <laughs> it, drives me, it drives me crazy what we're doing out there. But this is what has been going on. You're going to go back 40 years and say, when I was in high school, you hit on me and I've been scarred ever since. This is yeah. absolutely ridiculous what's going on right now. I know. It's it's hard to watch. and. But but the hardest thing for me to watch is, I mean, there's a, again a lot packed into what you're saying here, uh, and and I and I don't you know I'm not all in on everything you're saying, but I but Philip, but sort of generally I'm in on what you're what you're suggesting, which is people are not happy and people don't see they're not engaged and they're not seeing um, dynamism in the future that they should see when they're young and they should be enthusiastic about if not forming relationships, at least hanging out with each other one-on-one -on -one and breaking bread, you know, and they just don't do that. And it's very unhealthy not to do that. Do you tell your, your sons to get out there and just go ask people to coffee and, and lunch and just, just to get that experience of spending time with another human? I, I coached uh, that for a long time. My, my, we're homeschoolers. My kids are so outgoing. And so I feel like we're the, we're the petticoat junction. We got people staying here all the time. We, we got our guests for a best bedroom. That nobody, wrote, except, nobody except you and I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great old show. It's a yeah. great old show. But I mean, we always have. I don't, I don't want you or I to be seen as Uncle Joe. So I know. Well, it's a, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's 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 like I'll say we're like we're bed and breakfast. That's what I feel. Like. We have guests all the there time. You go. But you know, you talked about the men earlier. And I think that's an institution of what's happened within our universities and our school systems, as low as kindergarten, where we, we're training men to be afraid. The vast majority of the media is liberal. The vast majority of uh, universities are liberal. All that stuff combined. As you are correct, people are afraid to even start any kind of relationship now for fear of being 
cancel because they've had that power to do it. Look, I, I look at the last six, seven years of the movies I do. I shoot about three, four independent movies every single year. And I get actors coming up to me, camera guys, light guys, whatever may be, quietly like we're doing a drug deal saying, hey, thanks for being a voice for us. And I go, well, be a voice for yourself. But, you know, I got the cancel culture from Hollywood because I happen to be conservative and I happen to be Christian. And that's a double leper in Hollywood. Oh, um, I'm not perfect in any way whatsoever. But, you know, they, they have this branding on people that say that. So now Christianity gets attacked. And, of course, if you're conservative, that's even worse in Hollywood. So uh, it's unfortunate. But, I mean, I'm not afraid to speak up and speak the truth. There's nothing wrong with the truth, but tr the truth is kryptonite to Hollywood. You've heard me talk about HVMN, their product, Ketone IQ. I'm an enthusiast about this product. I've been using it to control appetite, to increase mental sharpness. It was something created for the military, actually for the special forces, when they were in prolonged periods of deprivation of calorie and they were feeling a little foggy, this brought them back. It feels good. I mean, it really does control your appetite, and I, I'm a convert. It doesn't taste great. It, it tastes like it works. I think that's a great way of framing what, in fact, it tastes like. So you can find Ketone IQ in your local Sprouts nationwide, and you can save 30% off your first subscription order of Ketone IQ by going to HVMN. And I remind you that HVMN stands for Health Via Modern Nutrition. That's right, HVMN, Health Via Modern Nutrition. I've told you that before. So get that 30% off your first subscription order of Ketone IQ at HVMN.com forward slash Drew. One more time, HVMN.com forward slash Drew. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design, the kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Yeah, it, it it is strange times. I I've been noted I for a while there, and and I'm you know, I wouldn't identify myself as a Christian, but uh, I feel as though a time of a great awakening has been necessary in this country. Yeah. I kept, I've been saying it for about three years. I kept saying I think we're gonna have another great awakening or something because we really need it. And I don't know what form it's going to take, but we need something like that. And and the other thing is, as far as you making films for people. You know, I, I, somebody sort of framed things for me yesterday in a way that caught my attention. He goes, you know, people are tired of buying things from people that hate them. <laughs> so, yeah. Boy, that is really, that is really, there's a lot packed into that in the sense that, you know, many of these multinational corporations and certainly people that, you know, produce films or television, you know, you're, you're, they don't really have respect. They may have disdain for the people that are their customers or, or I don't understand that. And they're open about it. I mean, they're perfectly open about it. I mean, look, our government does. I mean, we send billions of dollars to other countries that hate us. I mean, yeah. they can hate us for free for crying out loud. What are we wasting our money? For? I mean, we, we, we fund our own wars against ourselves. We stop producing oil. We have plenty in our own country and then we buy it from countries and we pay them. And then they use that money to, to fight wars against us. So, yeah. It's yep. just crazy, crazy, insane time what we're doing right now. But I'm going to keep the, you know, I do movies like God's Not Dead. I did two movies in theaters this year. One is Miracle in East Texas, True Story set in 1930. The other one is Left Behind, Rise of the Antichrist, based on the Left Behind books. 
And these are movies that 80 million households want out there. But how do I get it out there? I don't have a hundred million dollar advertising budget like Hollywood does for their Avatar and their, uh, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean movies. So we got to rely on word of mouth. But I get stopped all the time through airports and people say, keep doing what you're doing. We love well, your movie. But well, that's, the, uh, that's the thing that if that we've we've developed these sort of parallel economies for people yeah. that, again, are tired of ta- consuming things from people that don't really like them. Uh, and so when you do produce something, even if it's a small group, if you're small, if you're producing something for people, then they appreciate you providing their the product that they like. That's yeah. kind of a sort of an interesting thing. It's it's sort of one of the side effects of this present moment, which is there's this world out there that is m- not just interested in different things, but motivated to support you in your providing of those products or whatever they might be, including this book, right? And clean the book, test the line. And please go check it out Brave at bravebooks.us. And uh, also go to sorbostudios.com. Sorbostudios.com is everything that uh, my wife and I both have coming up down the road. Uh, we do a lot of speaking events, sometimes together, sometimes apart. But I've got another three, four movies in post-production right now. i got another one I'm start filming. So I'm staying busy. Um, Hollywood owes me nothing. I find it unfortunate. I don't harbor the hate and anger that they have towards someone like me. It's weird to me. I mean, I've seen some A-listers say I'll never work with an effing conservative again. I'm like going, that's so childish to me. It's so weird. I've got atheists. That's that's a new thing, right? When you and I were younger, there was conservatives and liberals, and we um, played catch. (laughs) We went went out and shot hoops, whatever. And now it's your, your, and I I, I think they did a really good job of branding uh, conservative as Nazis. And or if you're a Nazi, and yet strangely (laughs) enough, the people that are actually um, fashioning swastikas right now are the very same people that would have called you a Nazi three months ago. Which oh, yeah. It's so yeah. weird. It's so weird. It's so odd. And you and you asked the question, who is doing the canceling? Did, did you have an answer in mind when you said that? Who are these people who are canceling everybody? I think, I think there's a common denominator with these people. I think these are people that hate themselves. I and mean, there's an old adage from the Bible, love your neighbor as yourself. These people don't love themselves. They look in the mirror and hate what they see. And they hate the world. They blame the world for their failures when the reality is looking in the mirrors where their failure is. They got to find a better way to, I always say, cue the Michael Jackson song, the man in the mirror. I mean, that's where the problem is. And that's where you need to change the way you look at things and the way you want to react to other people as saying that it's your fault that I'm not this. They they want to blame a God they don't believe in. I mean, it's just, it's a weird cycle that goes on. I'd love to do, I'd love to do documentary on these people, you know, hide, they like to hide behind masks anyway. So I'll keep it very dark in the room, but I, I would like to hear what their background's like, what their family was like growing up, what kind of jobs they had. Instead of collecting your, you know, paychecks from uh, from our government and from George Soros, I like to hear some uh, some other stories from these people. Well, when you when you focus on the world as the problem, you cannot change the world. You can change only what's going on in you and immediately yep. in your relationships around you, perhaps. But the the thing you're talking about, I believe. And you may have a kind of a religious way or scriptural way of looking at this, which is kind of be interesting for me to hear your opinion. I, I think uh, the the primary emotion you're talking about when you describe these things is envy. And mm. envy is something that essentially every religion has injunctions against, and certainly the Old and New Testament uh, does. Uh, what do you think about that? And And would, and I guess the question would be, you know, you mentioned treat your neighbor like your neighbor like yourself. The the go- reversion to the golden rule would diminish the effects of envy. But 
I'm not mm-hmm. sure people with a lot of aggression and envy can really live by the golden rule. It's too, it's too much. They're, they're too aggressive. They're too angry. What do you say to that? I, I totally agree. I think envy is a, a, a perfect way to explain that. I think another thing for the people on the right, I mean, if you look at some of these things that have been happening in the world and uh, the quiet that comes out of the churches, I think there's a lot of woke churches out there now. They're afraid to be uh, offensive. They're afraid to diminish their congregation. Uh, and uh, I think apathy is one of the biggest killers of not only America and the world right now. People just well, give up. What so, can I do? It's yeah, so do. it's interesting. I, w- I wrote the word freedom down here. And, and that's a word that has been on my mind the last two or three years, much to my surprise. <laughs> I'm, I'm terribly surprised that that isn't something just a foregone feature of my life living in this country. But I have suddenly felt like certainly around speech, and you could argue, you know, religious practice too was under assault during COVID. Uh, it is really important. I think that we all, this is our time. <laughs> we got to speak up about this. And I've always heard that, you know, freedom needs to be defended. And, you know, it's, I, I never really got it. Now I kind of get it. <laughs> kind of, we're kind of living in this moment where freedom, and particularly freedom of speech, is something that you have to fight for, which is astonishing to me. But what do you think? You know, there's a great line in a movie, the Robert Redford and Barbara Streisand, "The Way We Were," mm. which is a very political movie. Besides being a love story, and there's a line in there from 1973, where that movie came out, but it deals with even earlier than that during the McCarthyism and stuff saying, you know, we've never had freedom of speech in this country. So that was talking from, that was talking about 70, 80 years ago, going yeah. back into the 50s. Yeah. And so uh, pretty fascinating, pretty interesting, because I, I, they, they, they keep taking an inch away from us all the time, the government. And people mm-hmm. go, well, it's just one more thing. People don't realize it's been one more thing for decades now. So it's been miles long of the freedoms that have been taken away from us. And when it only gets to a point that it really affects people to a, to a place that they go, oh, my gosh, yeah. like a 9-11 moment, they yeah. don't see this coming. Well, I saw it coming. You saw it coming. And, um, you know, for people to sit around and do nothing, that's like the biggest problem. People are afraid there's too many sheep out there. And mm. I think that's one of the reasons for the test of lionhood. I want to wake up the lions. Don't be afraid. You know, uh, the only person who's supposed to fear is God. That part's in the Bible as well. So to me, it's like, I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep saying the truth. Facebook took me down two and a half years ago for posting the truth. God forbid Zuckerberg and his minions don't like the truth. Everything I said, though, of course, came true. On Twitter, I said, all my conspiracy theories have come true. Please send me more. So uh, <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still fighting my own little battle to get the couple million people that were following me on Facebook back. They won't, they won't, let, it, they won't let that happen because they know my voice is opposite of theirs. You, you're talking about uh, boiling the frog in terms of this slow, slow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I think COVID, as miserable as that was, kind of did us a favor. You know, it sort of tore the, it tore the dressing off the wound and you could see the wound. You could see what's going on when, uh, you know, when the basic constitutional privileges of this country were so easily brushed aside. Well, you know, they, they shut down churches, but they kept that's Costco. A, that's a very Costco. astonishing thing. People don't, I think that when they, when the history books are written, that's the oh thing that jump out. It's yeah. unbelievable. And then they kept Costco open and Target open, but they closed down, you know, mom and pop's grocery stores on a corner of city streets. have been there for 60 yeah. years and three yeah. generations. So they weren't weird. essential. So don't tell me it wasn't about money and fear, but fear is government's favorite weapon, and they use it very effectively. But the good news is a lot of families woke up. Actually, two million more families are not homeschooling because they realized the public schools shouldn't be used as a babysitting service for their kids. 
And I think that's a blessing right there. And you said your kids are homeschooled. Is that has that been challenging? Uh, not at all. My wife does it. She's the brains in the family. <laughs> I don't even worry about it. But you know, you know, it's interesting because every time we talk to people about it, oh, I could never do that. So you're saying the same school system that you went through kindergarten through twelfth grade at didn't prepare you well enough to teach to a first grader. So what does that say about our education system? Mm-hmm. It shows it's not very good. And we do rank, I don't know, 27th or 28th in the world right now. It's pretty bad. It's pretty embarrassing. And we have, uh, you know, there's a new, there was a law they passed in Oregon where they said that kids don't have to be, uh, have to be able to read to graduate. Now <laughs> I went, what? Oh, I said, welcome to LA Unified. Uh, yeah, well, LA Unified is horrible. Horrible. I, I had a program there for 27 years called the World Fit for Kids. People mm-hmm. go to worldfitforkids.org. And uh, uh, we worked with 12,000 kids after school, three hours after school. LA Unified has a 54% dropout rate. The 12,000 kids every year, we average a 98% graduation rate and a 67% high, uh, higher GPA. So what were we doing with World Fit for Kids that the public schools couldn't do? What, what do you know? I mean, can sure. you, we, we, we gave, we gave the kids hope. We gave them self-esteem. First hour after school was exercise. You know me, I played Hercules. I was always a jock because after an hour of exercise, because they took gym classes out of public schools now. Mm. So after an hour of exercise, it's a no brainer. Your, your attention and retention levels spike. So you're ready to learn the next hour. We have volunteers that come in and work with these kids. Hey, what's your problem? Math, biology, whatever. The third hour is dealing with life. You know, a girl says, I'm 16, I'm pregnant. What am I going to do? So we're there to help them. We're there to show them that somebody actually cares. The public schools don't care. Hmm. Interesting. And, and did you notice Bill Maher last week? It's been interesting. You've seen his stuff over the last year. I I know Bill. I know Bill well. And and I'm sure you do. And he said, he said, uh, don't send your kids to our universities. Yeah, no, Bill. Look, I, Bill and I've had those conversations. He yeah. about, several months ago, as a matter of fact. He, I, we, because I, I identified in him mm-hmm. the exact same intellectual training I had. I and I and I pulled him aside and I go, "Hey, you know, when we were trained, it was about accessing the truth. It was about thinking broadly and not in discourse and and nothing off the table and just try to try to. You have to." You have to have many different ways of approximating the truth. It's, it's, you can't, humans can't get there. We, we have to try to get there. But to have irrational certainty about anything yeah. is just that. It's irrational. And so, and you know, he went to Cornell. I went to Amherst. And we started talking about it. He's like, oh, oh absolutely. this is not happening anymore. They're, they're not being properly educated. The, the whole idea of liberal arts was you know, to teach your brain to work and to be able to discourse and defend your positions or not, or learn from what other people's positions are. Uh, that seems to be anathema to what they're doing right now. And so I, I know this is on his mind because well, you know, Bill, Bill, Bill's an old school Democrat. You know, if you, yeah, if, I think if, I, if, I, 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 too. I, I don't know what I have. I've been confused about what I am forever, but I think I probably am too, because well, I can relate I, to everything he says. Yeah. Well, I grew up in Minnesota. So my parents were, you know, Walter Mondale, Hubert Humphrey Democrats. Yeah. Oh, that's I could real, vote, that's I was, real liberal. That's serious. Yeah. Liberal, though. yeah. Well, when I was old enough to vote, I voted for Reagan in 1980. That was why I voted for it. my parents. Were, what? You're not voting for Jimmy Carter. And I said, <laughs> well, I think he's probably the worst president we've ever had in the few, you know, short time I've been on this planet. 
And I was correct until uh, Obama and Biden came along. But besides that, it's it's been a strange, um, interesting ride for me. But I, I did, actually, I did bills uh, politically incorrect like three times back yeah, back before. Did time too. It was fun, right? It was a great time. I had a great time with it. Yeah. And by the way, I'm not sure we could even do that anymore the way we used to do it. It was yeah. just differing opinions, mixing it up. It was, it was just. Well, you know what? I tell people, listen to, look, listen to John F. Kennedy's 1960 inauguration speech. There's not one Democrat and probably the majority of Republicans that don't talk that way today. I mean, JFK would be in today's world would be a Republican. I want to tell you about a really interesting product that you can use before a night out with drinks. It's called Z-Biotics. Z-Biotics is a pre-alcohol, prebiotic drink, world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by a PhD scientist to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink alcohol, it gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It is this byproduct, not dehydration often, that is somewhat to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. Just remember to make Zbiotics the first drink of the night and drink responsibly, and you may feel better in the morning. So I want you to be sure to think about this as an option as you're heading into the evenings. I want you to go to zbiotic.com slash Drew to get 15% off your first order when you use Drew at checkout. That is Zbiotics, Z-B-I-O-T-I-C-S. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money-back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. One more time, remember to head to zbiotic.com slash Drew and use the code Drew at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode and our good times. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. So one of the reasons I'm intrigued with his, uh, I guess, Roberts, his nephew, uh, RFK Jr., because he's just, he's mixing it up. He's stirring it up and he's, he's, he's a good thinker. And I just, I just, people that are, are not, are, they people get, I have no problem when people get things wrong, or, in my opinion, or in anybody's opinion. I get, get it wrong, but don't hold back. Get out there and say it and think about it and, and have your opinions. And uh, I, I, the idea that opinions need to be stifled is just, people don't understand how, how awful that is and, and where that goes. I mean, you've got to read your history. I have found myself completely preoccupied lately with 1790 France and early 20th century Russia. I, I'm just reading and reading and reading and reading about it because it's so familiar. And we, we must not let that happen. We just cannot let anything like All around that. the world, the Bolshevik Revolution, Lenin, what did Lenin say? He said the best way to control the people is through education. And that's what they're doing right now in our country. Right now, when you were in school, when I was in school, teachers did not tell me how to vote. They didn't tell me not to believe in God or believe in God. They taught math. They taught biology. They taught history. They don't even teach history anymore. They don't even teach civics in school anymore because our government doesn't want people to know that it's we the people. They, they just want we the government is what they want. God, it's so weird, and I, and there's things where we tolerate too. That I, I mean, I, we got to tolerate everything for sure, and that's part. Well, let me let me let me dial back. I, I get a few other topics I want to get into. 
which is you you mentioned the phrase or the the line from oh, was it the way we were as you said where yeah. you know, we don't Paul you Newman know, says I mean yeah. Robert Redford says that about right. and that is actually a a phrase that comes from Alexis de Tocqueville okay and Alexis de Tocqueville was a French uh, aristocrat but a republican in the sense that he was for the Republic of France at the time right. uh, who came here in 1820 and his conceit was to study our quote penitentiary system because at that point our our prison and what we called penitentiary where people did penance uh was the the uh, envy of the world we we had good outcomes back then i don't know why i still don't know why but we apparently did but alexis de tocqueville did not spend a lot of time in the penitentiaries he just started touring around america and interacted with every great figure of the time and and just he just went everywhere and interviewed everybody including the first nation people and everything and, and so he came back with an assessment of his book is called democracy in america and i swear i'm going to read it again in fact i may order it right right when we finish our conversation and but one of the things he worried about he, he was trying to figure out why democracy worked in america and nowhere else and of course one of the things that was a republic and not a democracy it was a it was a representative democracy uh, secondly, he felt that the the local practice of, of democracy, so-called, was so ingrained in us that we did it in the classrooms, we did it at the sports teams, and we did it at the yeah. city, the township, or the county, and blah, blah, blah. So it was a, a practice that we we uh, had to come, that nobody else had around the world at the time. And then finally, he addressed free speech, and he had grave concerns about slavery and the, 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 you know what that was going to do to us. And, and but the other thing he worried about was free speech. And he said, you know, you have the the most uh, complete, um, what did he call it? In any event, the the complete uh, legal right to free speech uh, ever ever thought of. But the reality of free speech in America is that you don't have it because he called it the force of the public square. And the public square today is social media. And no one ever envisioned the public square going into hundreds of thousands, hundreds of millions of people. And he said, you know, if you say something really outlandish in the public square, you're going to get ostracized. You're going to get social consequences that the Americans don't really tolerate a lot of outside the box kinds of opinions. Who knew that was going to be the cudgel of the future? So now people with outside opinions can use the public square to cudgel anybody that doesn't comply with them. So it's, it's interesting, isn't it? That it's, it's actually, and that's why it's so important that everybody speak up because the people that are speaking up are ones who are disabusing themselves of folks who have alternative opinions. Then, then we don't have free speech. What do you say to that? Oh, I, I've been like, I, I can't disagree. I think we've been losing free speech over and over again for the decades. And as I mentioned earlier, I just think the last five years, the unbelievable acceleration of it has sort of shocked me. I, you said even five years ago that the things happening today would be going on. We're going, really? I mean, I can see the road going down that way. But I was saying there's got to be a place where where the tide shifts, where you reach that tipping point. I mean, I, I look at uh, the, the, the phrase, the silent majority all the time. I'm so sick of the silent majority because how bad does it have to get before people kind of go enough is enough? And I need, uh, that's why I want lions to wake up and get out and vote for crying out loud. I realize I, I want to fight against his mail-in voting because even the, even the Republicans aren't fighting against that. I don't think it's going to be tough to win an election ever again with mail-in voting because let's face it, either side can cheat with mail-in voting. This has One side's got to be better than the other side. 
So let's get rid of that. You, you know, just, you, yeah, the, you get the vote on the day the election is, and that's that. Show your ID. There's nothing racist about showing an ID, by the way. It's the most ridiculous claim I've ever heard. Well, I think it's racist to say that uh, people of color can't organize an ID. Yeah. A friend of mine did some videos where he went up into New York City and asked all these people. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> he, goes, <laughs> he goes, he goes, do you know where you're getting ID? He goes, the guy goes, well, he, he picks up his iPhone, first of all, and then goes, well, DMV is right over there. I could get yeah, I saw that. I loved it. I loved it. I yeah. posted that. I posted that everywhere. Yeah, because that that to me is racist to say that you, yeah. you have to be paternalistic towards any race yeah. class that that's sort of disgusting to me that you know you may want to support and help a race and a class i get that but to be so paternalistic that you 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 know whenever you're saying these people fill in the blank you should you should check yourself well you know it's interesting i was at a, i was at a um at an event where i was speaking at and one of the other speakers she's an african-american actress very famous i won't name her and she got in my face about that the voting the showing an id and I said, how do you, the, the Democrats are telling you as a people, as a group of people, that you're too stupid to be able to find and get an ID. That's what they're telling you. And she just looked at me with this dumb fun look on her face because she gave me all those reasons. I said, I fly a lot. There's a lot of people of different color in front of me. They all have IDs. Everybody can get an ID. Well, it's just a weird idea that people can't get ideas. And I'm certain, I'm certain in you know deep Mississippi, there's white and black people that have trouble, you know, whatever. And yeah, we got to solve those problems. But to to single a, a race out and then go yeah. we have to be taken care. Of. And that, that's that's that is that's. Mm-mm. So um, two two things I just want to kind of wrap up with, or at least okay. before we finish. One is, um, as I recall, the the brave books characters. There, there are some characters that carry through across the arc of the various books. Is that is that part of your book too? Uh, no, I'm going to have a new one next year with him, but no, okay. this is a one-off and it just, it just deals with his family. Uh, yeah, just a one-off beginning, middle ends and that's it. Okay. So it's a subcategory of the, of the, it's like a, it's right. own story and own follow through. Cause they, they do tend to, they have like five characters. If I remember that tend to show up in different places. All right. Now the other part is, is sort of a, a tougher, broader question. Well, it's not so tough, but I'm just interested in it. It, 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 it. I've just always believed that I don't care what scripture and what religion, the scriptures are always repository of wisdom, of human experience and human behavior, typically across thousands of years. And so I'm always troubled when people you know dismiss or don't look at or or figure we have now we figured it out we know the truth now it's like no no humans are the same and and i'm not any kind of um i'm certainly not a religious scholar or even person i would say but i've been feeling for a long time that these the scriptures and in your case you're familiar with the christian scriptures are repositories of wisdom that we are just not looking to or we're dismissing or we're pretending isn't accurate what do you want people to know about what's in there that does teach us things that we should be falling back on today i I think that would be don't you think that'd be an important thing for people to understand sure i mean the bible was the bible was the school book for centuries i mean before public schools came around in america to destroy kids and we took the bible out of the schools back in 1964 i mean this country was founded on judeo-christian values 
founded by mostly Christian men, our Declaration of Independence. Uh, we got schools that are hundreds of years old in the Ivy League, and now these students want to take anything biblical off these schools that have built, you know, seven in seven, you know, seventeen, eighteen hundreds. It's crazy what we're doing. And I, I look at the Bible saying, you know what? It's still a reason why it's the number one selling book every single year. And uh, the fastest places of Christianity growing right now in the world, interesting enough, is China and the Middle East. It's quite interesting to see interesting. people get so low, they have to start looking up eventually, right? Um, I'm not I'm not the perfect Christian. I don't know everything about the Bible either. I have read it before. Um, my daughter comes and reads a chapter with me every day. And it's 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 always a great learning book. And there's a lot of wonderful positive lessons in there. And you look, you look at the story of David in the Old Testament, you're going, wait a minute, God picked that guy? I mean, yeah. It's it's there's a lot of imperfectness in all of us. I don't claim to be knowing everything and, and the perfect person. I'm a simple man. I'm just man is simple by nature to begin with. But uh, you know, I have my belief. I never stopped believing. I grew up in a Lutheran household. I go to a Calvary church now, but I want to dig in part of my life. No one dig a little more because people will then go, Oh yeah, the old testament's full of violence and you know, horrible yeah, behavior and stuff. And and that's the point. It is and you're supposed to learn from that. It, it what yeah. what do you turn to it for? That's sort of I'm I'm I don't have any I am not thinking anything when I ask you that question, but I I just feel like people need to have a place to go for. Yeah. If you're not going to study history, you better study the scriptures. It seems to me. Well, there's a lot of history in this in the scripture. Right. I mean, that's right. I, look, I I I you know I think the computer, I think the internet is the wild west. There's some a lot of horrible things about it. There's a lot of great things about it too. And one of those things is on apps or just going on your computer saying, are there Bible verses that deal with suicide? Are there Bible verses that deal with hunger? Are there Bible okay. verses that deal with loneliness? Okay. And they'll pop up. They'll, a lot of them will pop up. And it's fascinating. You're about to hear a preview of one of my favorite stories on the Jordan Harbinger show with Megan Phelps Roper. She used to belong to one of the most hateful religious cults in America, the Westboro Baptist Church. She was born into this church and later escaped. To hear her tell the story firsthand is really incredible. I started protesting when I was five years old. Even at that first picket, there was a sign that said, gays are worthy of death. So God hates fags is what Westboro's message that we became known for. We were the good guys and everyone outside the church was evil and going to hell. And we had the only message that would bring the world any hope. We had to go and warn people. These terrible things are happening, and if you want this pain to stop, then you have to change because God isn't going to change. It brings me incredible sadness to think about now. I can't do this forever. And then that email came in, and and we left. For more with Megan, including the details of her harrowing experience, check out episode 302 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. And do you find mostly you're going to, I'm going to look it up right now, Bible versus loneliness. Um, and do you mostly, are you mostly, does it new, old? Do you find more or is it just equally distributed across both books? 
Um, I think equally distributed. I think it's fascinating to begin with. I mean, I, I always make the joke of, you know, if you look at the New Testament, um, God is not in the Testament very much. Uh, in the Old Testament, his voice is everywhere. In the Old Testament, in the New Testament, I figured, you know, he mellowed out after he had a kid. I don't know, but there's <laughs> <laughs> much going on. But the story is pretty much about, you know, Jesus's life. So um, I find it fascinating. I don't, I don't walk around in, in streets and preach to people. People want to come talk to me about it. I'm fine doing it, but I do it through my movies. But my movies, look, everything is faith based. Every movie is faith based. Every movie has an agenda. If you're an atheist. That's the strongest faith of all. To believe in absolutely nothing is amazing to me. Yeah. I mean, I find that I'm, I'm not sad in a way, too, to think that there's no hope, there's no nothing, that we just live our life here. There's no repercussions how we do. I've got atheist friends who are very nice guys. They're very giving with their money. So I'm not saying every atheist is a horrible, you know, a rapist no. and a murderer. No, so no, no. Um, don't don't send all these emails at the people. Sell. So no, I have plenty of friends that are atheists. And, and, yeah. uh, and, and by the way, you know, I deal with end of life stuff all the time. And I'm sure. very jealous of people of big faith and, and you know, how they helps them manage end of life or loss. It, it's just very helpful. Just yep. whether, whether, you're in believer or just want to look at the empiric truth. It just helps people. But I'm, I'm going to tell you something real quick. My mom was a nurse and she worked in like the hospice department and stuff. So people are oh, wow. his legs. And she said, you know, she had a cross on. She's always been a Christian. People ask them, they're 80 years old, they're 90 years old, whatever. And then start asking her, do you think there's life after death? Because that fear does roll in when you well, then like, people start thinking about it. That that is they they start wondering how to how to manage it, and uh, religion does give you a, a good way to do so. I, I knew what I was going to say, which was I I had a period where I started studying faith and reason and trying to figure things out. How there was a lot more of that zone going on maybe maybe fifteen years ago. A lot of kind of conflict between faith and reason. It seemed like to me, and I I found myself admiring the Catholic Church's thoughtfulness I, I know they've done some not so great things and they I, i'm aware but but their thoughtfulness really I, I admired it and the pope at the time uh is it john paul the very popular one the polish one yeah uh, he had a essentially a meeting about faith and reason like how do we reconcile these things and he published something called the encyclical uh and in that it was an encyclical on faith and reason and in that he a, a phrase jumped out of it for me that has stayed with me since, which is that faith and reason are the two wings upon which humanity contemplates the truth, hmm. ascends to the truth, ascends to the truth, which is, I think, a little more proper use of the language, which is you have to have, I mean, even if you want to take it to extremes, you have, you, you have faith in your atheism or a faith that the laws of physics aren't going to spiral out. There's always some degree of faith involved in the application of reason and i thought wow that's pretty pretty heavy stuff pretty wise stuff and that these things don't have to be in conflict yeah i like that that's actually good i've never heard that before i'm gonna steal it so yeah it's uh it's it's it's, it's yeah. lovely it makes a lot of sense and and uh and it makes me immediately for whatever reason think about galileo and all of you who want to assail misinformation were you living during the Renaissance, you would have assailed Galileo as a very dangerous person, very yeah. dangerous, according to the church and the Spaniards and everything else, uh, because he dared to say that the earth revolved around the sun. Uh, yeah. And so 
this whole notion of misinformation being something that needs to be silenced is such a fool's errand. I mean, who decides, for God's sakes, who decides who, what is misinformation and what isn't? That, to me, that's one of the scariest parts, and back to our conversation about free speech, one of the scariest parts about the assault on free speech right now. I know the Babylon Bee guys very well. I'm sure you're well aware of Babylon Bee, which is very funny. And uh, they'll do sarcasm and just humor. And they're still getting fact-checked by the misinformation trolls. <laughs> That was a joke. You know, look at look what COVID did, you know, the fear factor in comedians. Thank God there's guys like Bill Burr out there. Yeah. I love the fact that he just goes for it. And uh, yeah. he says, I don't care anymore. And, um, you know, he'll 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 say something that half the audience, the live audience will go, oh, like this. He goes, yeah. really? That's how you're going to react to that? Yeah. <laughs> so, Have you seen his new, his new Netflix film? It's like old dad. Uh, no, I know of it. I'll check it out. I you, know should, you would like it. You would like it. He yeah. just he just says it. <laughs> he just comes. Yeah. And and I'm I'm not even sure. I don't. I've known Bill for a long time. I haven't talked to him in a while. But I don't really understand which politic where he is politically. I just understand that he's sort of looking at yeah. things, trying to call strikes and balls, and that that's that. Well, the, he does a great. Big, he, I'm a pro life guy. I do a lot of speaking on pro life, and he does a great bit on that, which I'm sure you've seen when people attacked him on that because he said. He goes, well, I don't know. You know, I understand the woman's point of view, my body, my choice. But I think about this, you know, I'm I'm making a cake. I put the cake in the oven and then somebody goes and grabs it before it's done, throws it out and it goes all over the kitchen. And they go, what did you do? It was my cake. It wasn't a cake. He goes, yeah, but it was going to be a cake. <laughs> right. It's going to be part is the part that often gets left out of the out of the conversation. It was just so funny how he just used a cake as a, an example. That is pretty vivid. Pretty good. Uh, okay, so Kevin, uh, let's wrap this up by telling them again about the the book and what's going on and uh, where they can get it. Brave Books, go to bravebooks.com, bravebooks.us. Both places will bring you there and, and check out my book, The Test of Blindhood. You can get an autographed copy of my book right now. Join for a year and you get a new book every single month after that. It's great for your kids. It's just wonderful reading. It's all positive reading. Um, and uh, I hope people check it out and also go to sorbostudios.com. Kevin, thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. Hold on to your jingle bells. Pluto TV has all your holiday favorites for free. Enjoy Christmas classics like Scrooge with Bill Murray or Last Holiday with Queen Latifah. Plus, dive into festive channels like holiday movie favorites by Lifetime or Hallmark Movies and more. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming holiday favorites on live channels and on demand. With thousands of free movies and TV shows, Pluto TV is your home for the holidays. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never. 